Sports are back. Save 40% now on The Athletic. Do not miss exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now and save. Sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. If you go to theathletic.com slash leafreport, you can receive 40% off your annual subscription. Sports, as you can tell, are back, and you won't want to miss breaking stories on your favorite teams. So go to theathletic.com slash leafreport for 40% off an annual subscription. Of course, we hope to see you there. James, let's dive into game two and look ahead to game three. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm just, uh, I'm finishing my sandwich. I was listening to you read that ad. That, uh, ad. It was beautiful. What kind of sandwich? It's a peanut butter sandwich, yeah. The uh, the concession nice. stand at the game was, if everyone wants to hear about my my plight, there was no concession stand at the game today. Well, they eliminated it because it was kind of pointless. There's like 20 people. If that. I mean, the game I went to on the weekend, I went to a Rangers-Hurricanes game on Saturday, and uh, there were like... There were like eight people there. It was it was it was so weird being at a, at a game at Scotiabank Arena with no one there. So yeah, I guess we should feel fortunate that we are watching these games that like in person that like almost no one else is attending. There is something I guess I don't know. The first that. one I went to though, it wasn't a Leafs game, and I just felt like I, I you know what I kind of felt sad being there. I kind of felt like really? bummed out. I was just like. I don't know. Well, like, you know, it is depressing. Always, Let's yeah. not beat well, around the bush. I, I just like, like I said, there was like eight people there. I didn't know most of the people there. Josh Clipperton from Canadian Press was there, but most of the other people were there. There were some American writers there and whatever. And it was just, it's one of the weirdest experiences of my life to go to an NHL game and there's literally no one there. And it's the start of the playoffs. And they had, they, they that's had this, the thing, James. They have, they have this huge stage built in the middle of the arena, and they have all these screens yeah. and whatever, and it looks really good on TV. In person, it looks like... A soundstage. It it, it 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 looks like something that shouldn't exist, is what it looks like. And it looks like we're living in some bizarre future reality dystopian... I don't know. I keep thinking of like the That's movie. That's what it is. I know. <laughs> but the fact that, like, I don't know, I've loved the, the NHL my whole life, and, like, going to an NHL game has been a special thing my whole life. I remember being a kid and getting to go to my first game in Vancouver, and and then to go to a game, like, in this environment, it's... Anyway, we're bumming people out. Like, we, we got... Uh, yeah, stop, James. I, I'm sorry. I got, <laughs> I got off on the wrong tangent because I didn't get anything to eat at the game, so I, I apologize to everyone. I feel well, better so I'm ready. You are, like, outside of me... I, and maybe my sister. I don't know anybody who likes peanut butter as much as you. No, I don't like, really like I peanut. love... Really? I don't really like peanut butter. No, that's... that's oh, I just, th- every time I talk to you, you're like, I'm just having some peanut butter on toast. It's like, I thought I had a fellow peanut butter it's fan. Just, anyway, let's... When you're a parent, you just kind of like shove whatever's lying around into your mouth and, and hope that you don't die. That's pretty much... that. That's your strategy in eating. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I was going to say that the only time the game does actually feel weird when you're in there is when someone scores because there just isn't any reaction obviously they blow the horn and they play the goal song and we only had we only had the one goal in game one columbus got that but game two we finally get into the important stuff uh the leafs played if not their best game of the season one of their three or four best 
Uh, but given the stakes, um, probably their best. Well, um, the, the headline on my story, with, the headline on my story, yeah. Jonas, at the Athletic is the Leafs play their best game of the season. So <laughs> I'm I'm going to go with that one. Okay, so tell me which what part of it was most surprising to you? When a game like this happens, it's like, did Columbus play really crappy, or did the Leafs play really good, or is it like a combination of those two things, or, you know, Tortorella was really unhappy with how his, they just, it looked like a completely different matchup than it did in game one. Like, it, the mm-hmm. Leafs were all over them. They were out shooting them 28-8 to eight at one point. And it was like right away, James. It was like the first couple minutes you could see it was different. Like you could see like right away. And I think I mentioned to you in one of the TV timeouts, like they were forechecking hard. And and you just didn't see that in the in game one. They The puck would come into their zone and then it was just like bang, bang. And they're out of their zone. And like I, I was watching the neutral zone because Columbus in game one just locked it all up. And it looked, it reminded me of like a trap game from the dead puck era and this game didn't look like that at all. The Leafs were, you watch the neutral zone and the Leafs were stretching them out. Like they were just skating really fast and the Columbus kept backing up and backing up. And from, we were sitting in the one end zone uh, behind Corpus Allo, behind the, the Columbus goaltender. And, and the view was just, you know, you're, you're viewing the arena lengthways or not lengthways. I don't know. Heightways, the other way, the long way, and you could just see them stretch them out and stretch them out and stretch them out, and they weren't being slowed down really at all in the neutral zone. So, you know, the the, the way they changed their game plan was speed, um, a lot of fast passing, and when they had to, they dumped it in and skated really hard. And um, I I thought the Leafs looked great. They looked really really good. And I, like, let me ask you this, Jonas, like we've seen them play other good games and we talked about those good games when we were at the rink, like the, the game against St. Louis, there was one against Pittsburgh. Um, there was one against Tampa before the, the shutdown. Um, but I don't think that the Leafs used this strategy to play those good games. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but like those other good games, I don't remember them dumping the puck as much. I don't remember them transitioning the same way. This looked a little bit different than, than I think we've seen the Leafs look this season. Well, this was like a really complete performance, right? Like the the one thing we haven't talked about, obviously we just started this podcast, but like that hasn't been talked about is defensively they played pretty well like through two games. Granted, they're not playing themselves. They're not playing like a high-octane team, but like you're seeing them kind of put it all together. Like we always, we always talk about game five last year against Boston where it was like, ooh, like they can do yeah. that. They can they can put together like this complete full game where offensively they're humming. They're not giving up much defensively because they're spending all kinds of time in the offensive zone. And that's what tonight looked like. But I thought just in thinking what you about what you were saying, I thought was one thing that was kind of illustrative to me that was different in game two. Uh, was John Tavares. And if you look at like the heat map and you could see it during the game, all his shots are in tight. And that was something like not just for Tavares, but for everyone in game one, they weren't getting anything in like that, that juicy zone around, around Corpus Allo. And in game two, it was like they, they figured it out and they got in there. Yeah. I, and I, it was, it was completely, Columbus was really overmatched down the middle of the ice. I thought because anytime Tavares, less so when Kerfoot, I didn't think Kerfoot had the greatest game. The fourth no, line. We're going to talk about that. The, oh, we are okay. I didn't. I didn't realize we were. It's not uh, a huge topic, but it's a topic. Oh, okay. Um, 
there were only a couple guys I think didn't have a great game, and and he was he was one of them. I saw him just kind of passing to the wrong place a bunch of times. But um, to get back on my train of thought, if you look at the numbers, the com- combined impact of when Matthews or Tavares was on the ice against one of Columbus's top three centers, so that's Jenner, Wenberg, Dubois. I have it in my story. It's something like they outshot them at even strength, like 22 to 4 or something. Like, it's just like... It's That's a rid- problem for Columbus. It's ridiculous. And this is also what I have in my story, and I'll, I'll stop saying that after. But, like, the Leafs looked like they were a team with two number one centers, like two star centers. Yes. And Columbus yes. looked like Good a point. team that just didn't really, like... Have one. Columbus is kind of worried. Well, I think Dubois can be a number one center. But he's not right now. I mean, there are some games he's when he kid, is, and he's the same age as, as Matthews, like same draft, and is he older than Matthews? I think he's older than Matthews, right? A little bit? I think he's, or younger. Yeah, he's a little bit younger. He's You're right. right. Same draft younger, year, though. Yeah. yeah, Matthews was a really old pick in that in that draft year, um, whereas Dubois like, literally just turned 22 like a couple weeks ago, I think. But, like... There are other, like, Boone Jenner, who doesn't always play center, um, and Winberg was a guy who, you know, on the port, on, on, on the podcast I did with, with Aaron Portsline, he was saying, that, you know, there, there's a guy that's kind of like a big wild card, so you don't know what you're going to get out of him. They just, I don't know, it's... No, uh, it's a really good point. That is that is the, the power of having to... That's why you pay Matthews yeah. 11-6 and why you pay Tavares 11, like... Because then what does a team do if, like, suddenly they're like, okay, we're going to put Jones and Wierenski against Matthews, and then the Leafs are just like, okay, that's the, we'll, we'll not only be okay with that, we'll have Tavares just go against your second and third pairs. And when he plays like this, like, that, the game tonight that he played reminded me of what we saw from him last year, where everything he scored was, like, around the net, and he was right. all over the place. And I, and I think we should touch on – actually, I want to get to Mitch Marner um, in a sec – but the line changes that you pointed out after game one that they should make, he just seems to, for whatever reason, look better with Neilander this year than he does with Marner. Yeah, I and don't that know was why. Obviously, in this game, I don't know why that is. I thought Neilander looked good. I, I liked the way that he played in the game, and uh, Mikheyev was just okay. I, I didn't, I didn't notice him as much as I thought we would in this series. To be honest, like we watched him in camp, yeah. and it's like, wow, this guy's flying and. Well, remember, he has, he's never played in NHL playoffs before. Right. This is new for him. Well, he hasn't played a game at this pace in a long time, right? Like, we're going back to That's December, so it might take him a little bit of time to... Like, this. you can scrimmage against your teammates as much as you want. Like, this is a bit of a different level. So, it just looks like he's not quite thinking the game at the speed that I was expecting for him. But Nylander, I mean, Nylander could have scored there a couple of times in the game tonight. and I haven't loved him as much, but yeah. And as you know, I'm a big believer, but... But yeah, hey, he seems to unlock something in Tavares. That combination was excellent all year. Uh, I mentioned Marner. That's one of the better games. Like that, I don't know if it's the best game he played like all season, but it's one of the better ones. He was everywhere. I don't think I've ever seen him attempt to shoot the puck as much as he did. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, game one, he has no shots. He has two attempts. What would he have, 11 um, or something like that? He had 12 tonight. Wow. 12, yeah, like I wonder if that's is a career one shot high. of a career high. Oh, it's okay. not. Well, it's one shy of a career high. He had 13 I, I, some night, which I, I like remember. how you've already looked this up. I'm assuming this is going to be yeah. in your, your story, so which I haven't read. It yet. is. 
I, like I hate to bring up like money, but that is what you pay for. Like you pay for your stars to be stars. And obviously he didn't have a game one. He said as much after game one. He he just seemed to be like energized, obviously playing with Matthews, but he just was into it. He was engaged. He mentioned like being on the puck and like wanting to hang on to the puck more and make more plays. And that was what happened. The thing that I was thinking about after the game is which Leafs weren't really good. Like I thought Riley played really well. I, li- I thought Muzzin and Hall were much better than they were in game one. Um, How about CeCe? Oh, CeCe played a CeCe much. A yeah. And yeah. I like CeCe was making some good plays in the offensive zone which we haven't yeah. seen a ton of for him. So I, I liked some of the some of the of the moves he some of the passes he made and some of the kind of like there was a lot of deception that the Leafs had, especially in the offensive zone and Columbus was having a hard time with that, just with like some of the behind the back passes and off the board bank passes and you know, like it there was there was some really interesting creativity that the Leafs had and they used their skill, you know, to its fullest, I think. And you know, if there's I mean, there are two things that are disappointing about the game that we can talk about. The power play was disappointing. Um, we're getting to that, and and obviously, what happened to Jake Muzzin was was awful, and and hopefully he's okay. Well, and I feel like we buried the lead a little bit because that is the biggest. Yeah, well, it's not the biggest story. Well, well is it the biggest story? I mean, they did win, and that is significant in a playoff series. But this is obviously a massive story. It was really. Um, Obviously, people watching on TV, uh, everybody listening, I'm sure they, they felt the same thing. But in the building, it was very eerie because it just went completely silent. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they're not going like to play some saw, jock jam song like they usually no. put on in the breaks. Yeah. And so you hear you hear everything, but at that moment, there is no sound. Well, we were sitting right all above, of a sudden... Yeah, we were sitting right above the, the EMT, like the, the emergency medical people and uh we saw them grab the stretcher and everything and it's it's a bit different when the building's full and there's like the there's the sound of the crowd and everything going on and yeah well because at first james like it wasn't totally clear what was happening because all of a sudden like we saw muzzin down the play was continuing and then he stayed down and the official was with him and then the official blew it dead and then he muzzin wasn't getting up and like anytime you see that and then, you know, one of the trainers came onto the ice uh, from the Leafs, and he still was down. He wasn't moving, and like he was on his back. Well, you can and see then, him like, like he mentioned, he was saying yeah. like he, like he was saying to his teammates that he couldn't move or something, or something was really wrong. Like he, he was, you know, he was like calling out that he and and like Muzzin's probably the toughest guy on the team. I mean, certainly top two or three. I think when when Josh Cloak, our colleague, has done surveys asking who would you least want to fight on the Leafs and stuff like that Uh, among the other players almost all of them are picking Muzzin like he's he's just he's such an important player for them not just on the on the ice obviously he's super important because he's part of that shutdown pair and he's a veteran and he's won a Stanley Cup and etc etc but he's just I don't he's kind of like um I don't know he he fills a huge leadership role on the team like he's a guy that everyone loves he's kind of He's a he's a funny guy, but he's also someone that when things aren't going well, he kind of tells everyone to smarten up, and and people really respect on that team. And it's just, um, you know, I was saying to you that the I, how many games did he miss this year? Like fifteen or seventeen 16. or something like that. The sixteen games he missed this year, the Leafs look like a different team, and it's obviously it's one of the more punishing losses that they could could potentially have. And I think that 
I don't know. What I was going to say is going to sound bad. I was going to say it, it hurts more someone like that going down with an injury like that than maybe more of a fringe player, which probably isn't the nicest thing to say. But it's just he's just like such a big presence for the team in so many ways off the ice and on the ice that it's, you know, it's um, it, it was it was hard for the players to watch him being the one that went down. And, you know, that if he is struggling like that, that it's it's obviously something really, really serious. Yeah, well, after the game, John Tavares said his impact was unmeasurable. And I wish I'd remember this when I was writing my story. But you remember at one point during the year, Sheldon Keefe said he was the, quote, conscience of the team. So yeah. like, that's everything that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, he he is like kind of like the dad on the team. Like Spezza is kind of too, but Muzzin's like really, like Muzzin plays big minutes and he's important and he's tough and... I don't know. Well, he's it's such just, a young team, James. And like, yeah. when you have some, like, he's the second oldest player on the team. He's him and Kyle Clifford are the only guys who've won Stanley Cups. Like, there's just a lot of different factors that make him important. Like, he carries a lot of credibility because of that stuff. But he also plays, like, the hardest minutes of anyone on, on defense. And, like, I was thinking while I was writing um, after the game. Like, if you were ranking, like, their most irreplaceable players, you'd start with Matthews, and it, it wouldn't be long before you got to Muzzin. Like, that's how kind of crucial he is and tough to replace. Now, the thing is, they, they have played without him. Uh, I have it right here. They were 7-5-4 and four total without him. That's uh, not encouraging. So they, like they, it's, it's not great, but, like, some of the underlying numbers are okay. They kind of survived. Obviously, this is way different. This is playoffs. What do you um, remember? What game he came back for? What was the first game he played coming back? One of the California when? games, because I know I remember being in San Jose. No, he and, no, he didn't come back at all. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. That, so he got hurt um, in the Tampa game on Feb twenty five, mm-hmm. and then he was remember he was done. Like, right. I, I actually forgot that uh, during phase three that he was coming back for the first time too. It just didn't seem as impactful or as uh, serious as Mikheyev, who had been off like right. months. Well, months it, and because months. it was always expected that he was going to be back for the start of the playoffs, right? Like the, I just yeah. I remember sitting in San Jose, and I was in the press box, and right beside me was uh, three members of the top four of the Leafs defense. <laughs> and yeah. if you remember that game, they played terrible. And the lead of my story, it was something like. You know, three members of the Leafs top four were sitting beside me, and it's a big reason why. And in that California trip, they played those three games in California, and then they and then they played the Tampa game. But the three games in California were a disaster; like they were terrible. They lost all. Well, of this them. was their defense, James, in California: Dermot Hall, Marinchin, Barry, Rosen, Lilligren. Right, and then Sandine also played. Right, and yeah. then there was Rosen, Cece, because Cece came back. So you asked me if Muzzin's not in the lineup, what do they do? And I immediately said Dermot and Hall because I like that pairing and I think it played well. But there's some question over whether that's who you want getting the tough matchups or not. And um, I don't. Well, it's, really, it's really hard to say right now how long Muzzin's going to be out. Yeah, well, it, it certainly does not seem likely that he would play on Thursday night. And if he's not going to play on Thursday night, he's probably not playing fly, Friday night. Like that didn't mm-hmm. look like a nothing injury. It could be. Hopefully. Like yeah, it is, I hope, like it, yeah. It, it was scary. I said to you, I've played in beer league before where guys have gone down like that and, and couldn't move and then they were okay. But I don't, I don't know. Like it's obviously a bit different in the NHL level. And I, I Well, James, know. like, I don't know if I've ever um, 
heard something like when when Mitch Marner brought up after the game, like you you want a guy to be able to play with his kids, like when that's coming up after a game, like that's that's serious shit. Like that is that kind of tells you what they were feeling in there. Marner didn't want to say what Muzzin said to him when he was on the ground. Yeah, he, and he that, said, "I'm going to keep it between." Well, yeah. he must have said something like, "I can't feel my feet" or something. I don't know what. Like, like we're just speculating, but at one point in the press conference. Uh, Marner said something like, I'm going to keep that between us or whatever, whatever he said when he was on the ground. Yes, which tells you, like, it was serious. Um, but so, like, back to the, the question. So I, I think the obvious thing to do is is what you mentioned, Dermot Hall, Riley CC. I do think they'll bring Martin Marincin in to play on their third pair. But as for like, responsibilities, I, I think probably what you do for this series is you just kind of lean on those those first two pairs yeah, irrespective, like you're not really hard matching Dermot Hall against their top line because like Columbus doesn't really have a group that scares you that much more than the next. Like you could argue that the Atkinson line is a little more scary than the Dubois line. So like it's like it's it's more when you if if they're able to get past Columbus and you're facing Tampa or you're facing Boston, then it becomes more of a question. And then I wonder if they do look at Riley CC. But that's beyond now. I, you kind of like I, I've liked the way that Dermot and Barry have played in this series. Like they're they're kind of like a wild card element and like pretty good offensively. And if if you change, I mean, I guess Dermot Hall, you're hoping can give you something offensively. Just those three pairings. If you got Marincin out there, I think so. If what do you mean that they Dermot and Hall can't give you something offensively? Like my concern with not having Muzzin is you don't really you're not really probably getting a lot of offense from your defense. Like I, mean, I don't know. Muzzin's not really giving you that much offense, is he? But but he's allowing some of the other pairings to do that. He's allowing Dermot oh, and, yeah, and Barry to get sheltered minutes and create offense. Is what Muzzin's well, is there allowing. any? Sorry, is is there any part of you? I there's no part of me. Although there's not no part of me. There's a little part of me. Is there any part of you that would think about putting Sandine in? I don't know. Yeah. I, I didn't think so. I don't think it's. I don't think I would um, for a couple reasons. Number one, Muzzin is your number one penalty killer. Mm-hmm. Marincin is not Muzzin on the penalty kill, but he's a good penalty killer. Take his minutes there. Obviously, penalty kill is not a central thing in this series for the Leafs. But the other thing is, like, I, I think you you kind of want someone who's a little more experienced, who who knows how to play in their own zone. And and Sandine, like we saw. He struggled with that. He's a rookie. He's not that big. And and when he played with Barry, it didn't go well. And, no. and I, I kind of feel like Marinch and Barry is a little safer. And I, I feel like you've already got like an 18-year-old and Nick Robertson in there. I, I don't know that you want to kind of double down on that at this point. It's tough. I mean, this is why Muzzin's such a big loss because you look at like they just don't really have the depth on the blue line to replace Riley or Muzzin. Like those are the two guys that they really need to lean on, and like if Muzzin, like, like, we don't know what, where we're going to be at with, but like if Muzzin can't play the rest of the playoffs, I mean it's a significant. You know, I think they might be able to get through Columbus, but I don't like if you're playing Tampa or Boston, it just doesn't seem realistic at all that you'd have a chance. Well, you know what's going to happen? I'm almost certain of this. Obviously, 
Dermott's going to play a lot more. He played only 13 minutes in game two. Hmm. Some of that is because the Leafs had a ton of power plays. Riley is going to play a ton. If I'm Sheldon Keefe, I'm playing him 27, right. 28 minutes. Now, he played almost 25 in game two. So anyway. maybe, you, maybe you mix Riley in more with other partners. I, and, I feel like that's maybe right. what you do. So then you've got some, maybe there's some minutes where it's like Riley and Barry or. Yeah, like limit Marincin, um you, you, like he didn't even limit Dermot some, but like Riley, Riley looks fantastic. Um, yeah, load him up. Um, Riley Dermot, Riley Barry. Yeah, and maybe Riley just you know plays every minute as a left defenseman for the team. <laughs> just play him all the time. Other than PK, um, I should mention um, before we get to like a couple of the concerns. I think moving ahead, Frederick Anderson. He wasn't tested a ton, but like he did have to make a couple really important saves. Um, we talked about him coming to the series that he needed to be much better than he had been in past playoffs. He has been. Um, I do think the power play is, is, is a concern, uh, moving ahead and looking ahead to game three beyond the Muzzin issue. You know what? I'll just interrupt you. I went back and I watched a bunch of their power plays and it wasn't as inept as I had thought. And if you look at the, the numbers, like they actually generated, I think they had eight high danger chances on the power play and. Obviously, yep. you'd like to get a goal, but they had like some good rebound chances, and Tavares had some opportunities. And you know, well, do you want to know an interesting stat, James? What's that? That I found that that's in my story, and you can go read my story and James's story at the Athletic, theathletic.com/sleepreport for forty percent off. Nice promo <laughs> in there, James. Um, Matthews threw two games uh, on the power play, one shot. Two attempts. They are completely taking away his shot. Yeah, which makes sense. But then some of the other guys are getting opportunities. Like Nylander almost put one in at one point. And, you know, they've got Marner shooting more in the power play and Barry and Tavares. And I, I didn't think the second unit was very good. I thought the second unit looked really... The second unit there's, hasn't been... There's just nothing on there. Like yeah. That has enough. Like Robertson's really young, obviously. This was that was that's like uh, that was always Mike Babcock's contention in, in balancing the units is like you you do need the other one and if you don't have anyone like one thing I have been thinking more and more I have two thoughts on the power play um, one I still think Riley should be on their first power play but I get it the other thing is like I kind of feel like he did score I think he had nine power play goals through the throughout the season so this doesn't really help my case but I do feel like Neilander's shot isn't totally weaponized on that power yeah, play just because but the, of but the, my counter to that though is when Nylander was the guy on the second unit with a bunch of the other like it didn't work it, it looked bad like he just Nylander yeah. didn't seem to be able to create anything without the other really strong offensive players are around him like it so he seemed kind of wasted I, I get I, he just looks way more dangerous on that power play one even even though it's kind of weird having him at the net front he's got good enough hands that like there was that one he almost put in tonight that he yeah, stick handled around, yeah, around behind Corpusalo. Like that was really close to going in. Well, he was at his best, like on the power play when they had him on one side, Matthews on the other, and like they just kind of ping pong the ball back and forth, like in one of those. What do you call those games? Pinball machine. Um. Anyway, All right. one more I thing inter- to get to, James. I interrupted you. What? Yeah. What, what's next? The last thing we 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 should touch on is is there really not getting a, a whole bunch out of those bottom two lines. Now, when you have two top lines that play the way that they did tonight, it matters less. Uh, but if you look at some of the underlying numbers, they weren't great for the third line tonight. 
uh, I mean game two. They weren't great for the fourth line. How much would that bother you if you're Sheldon Keefe? Or do you just kind of come to the realization, like, there's not really anything I can do about it. Like, it's not like there's changes you can make. Like, that's who you got. Well, I thought the fourth line looked a lot better. I, I liked it. I, like, I thought Engvall played pretty well. I thought Clifford looked played pretty played pretty well i think spezza gave you what he's capable of giving you and um i i sort of wonder with the style they're trying to like i wonder if you put angval up on that third line if if that makes any sense where with who put like put Ro- drop who? robertson back and just just nah, make them more of like that. a straight line kind of attack third line and have them dump it in and try and get it they already don't have any shooters on that line if they don't have Robertson. Like you, but maybe put you just in there. maybe they you don't shoot. You just like dump it in and forecheck and hold the puck. Yeah, and like get an offensive zone face off. Yeah, like I I don't know. I just that's kind of what I was thinking watching. It's not like Robertson's been bad. It's just I don't know. I, I you're right. I think they're going to need something from those lines, and so far I. I think they can probably win this series without something from their third and fourth line, but it's not. It, it, it'll be harder for them to do that. Just play the top two lines into the ground. Well, I think that's going to be what they happens. probably will. Yeah, I mean, game one, the third line played three minutes. What did they play tonight? I mean, sorry, four, fourth line. Clifford seven and a half. Spezza almost eight. Again, there are some power plays. Uh, and Engvall nine minutes, and some of that's shorthanded. So not and much. I think Engvall looked really good on the PK. You know, I, I think that yeah. the Leafs' penalty kill was good. It was really good. Like, the, I, Columbus didn't generate anything on the power play, so. All right. Anything else you want to mention before? Uh... Well, the only thing I'll say is that as good as they looked, the real test for this team is can they do that more than once? Because we've seen them look yes. really good, and then they just play like a complete garbage fire like the next game. So, that's like my story says it's their best game of the season, but, and like a big but in capital letters, like... They need to keep playing like that. If they keep playing like that, they will win the series. If they go back to being the goofy Leafs, then they won't. And this is what we mean when we call this team Jekyll and Hyde or inconsistent, is that they just have a really hard time delivering that more than, you know, regularly. You know, it's kind of like you see it once every 10 games or 8 games or something. They, they need to find a way to do that more frequently to win this series and to do anything in these playoffs. Well, that's the only way, like, you are going to win. Like, if they want to actually win a cup one day this year, another year, like, it, it's going to take a lot of, like, wins like that. Like, it, it's not yeah. It's not you do it once and then you do it three games later. Like, that's not good enough. Um, and we'll see how they survive, you know, Muzzin's absence. Hopefully he's okay. Um, like, that's forget about the games and stuff like you just hope like he is okay because that was really scary especially for someone who has a history uh of back issues um yeah he had that's i don't it hasn't been talked about a lot in toronto but i remember when josh cloak did a big feature on him he had like nearly hockey career ending back injuries a, a long time ago but we just you know when you can see in the dressing room muzzin's got like big scars on his back where he's had major surgery in the past and just hope that there's nothing nothing like re-aggravated or something with that an old injury like it i don't know if i don't i'm not a back expert i don't know if that's possible but he had a lot of disc problems when he was really young and the injury kind of looked like that a little bit 
Okay, before we go, uh, I should mention that Scott Burnside is publishing a daily two-man advantage podcast throughout the playoffs. You were on it. I was on there. Yeah, I was I was the first guest. It was exciting. Wow. Um, so he'll be talking about all the action from all the games, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. So check that out. And then uh, what was I supposed to mention, James, for us? Don't forget to rate and subscribe the show. Uh, the Leaf Report is on Apple, and if you click on the show URL, theathletic.com slash Leaf Report. Oh, no, that's an addition if you click on the, the show URL, theathletic.com slash Leaf Report. You'll get 40% off your you're losing the You're losing the plot. I'm going to read these in the future. And if, if you can, we've got comments now on the, on the podcast. So go, go comment on the podcast and say hi, because I always check for comments and there aren't any. So even if you just say hi, I'll say hi back. It'll be it'll be a, a nice interaction for our day. Very rewarding. <laughs> it's rewarding for me. You get yelled at on Twitter and called an idiot all day. So our comments and our, our uh, it's like an oasis of of niceness most of the time. Okay, so game two or game three is on Thursday night. So we will be back on Friday morning ahead of game four, which is on Friday night. James, get some rest. Uh, everybody, thank you for listening. Stay healthy. Stay safe. James, enjoy your peanut butter. Peace out. Yeah, yeah, I gotta eat my sandwich.